Welcome to the Arena Decklist Podcast. I'm Jerry Thompson, joined by Brian Gottlieb. We have the full preview for March of the Machine out. And due to Brian's schedule and the fact that he is, I don't know, like a day and some change of a time zone away from me, uh, we're going to try and get these podcasts done and uploaded in a reasonable amount of time. So I think our plan is part one of the full preview and then part two sometime in the next couple days and then maybe the top 10 show uh, Friday-ish, maybe getting published next Saturday. But if it doesn't happen, don't blame me. I'm sorry. Blame Brian. Yeah, that's fine. I'll take all the blame. That's uh, becoming actually a large part of my job description too. So if I'm I'm doing (laughs) it for work, take all the blame all the time. I may as well do it here. It sounds great. Ah, yes. Hashtag uh, blame Brian. Is that actually a thing? Has that been used yet? Even uh, just it's, it's been it's been used mostly ironically. Uh, okay, there was there was a, a pretty uh, extreme overreaction to the the most recent uh, results after the release of our newest set in Flesh and Blood, and somebody uh, quickly, actually, the day after the set release, sent me a very impassioned post about why this new card should be banned, and. Uh, Thankfully, the community had my back and and memed on it quite a bit, and uh, it was it, it just became in vogue for a little while to just message me out of the blue and yell at me about a various card that you know sees a small amount of play and is you know probably pretty good, but in no ways ban worthy. And I had a whole list of cards people were telling me their personal grievances with for a few days. It was lovely. Gotta love being the face of something, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know when I signed up for that, honestly. I think I just have a lot of words and uh, hopefully a lot of trust. So I end up out there more often than than not. And that's good. I'm happy people want to message me and tell me about their complaints. Because honestly, I've gotten, I would say like 99% positivity over the release of this latest set. So if a couple people are upset about a few cards, that's totally fine. And within the range of expected outcomes. All it takes is a couple bad actors to tank your Yelp rating or whatever, you know? That is true. That is 100% true. And uh, you have to you have to stay on top of that. But also, you ever see, like, the takedowns of a Yelp rating where a restaurant owner gets, like, called out and they'll be like, well, actually, you did this, this, and this, and here's what we do. And then everyone further supports the poorly rated Yelp restaurant. That's what I'm going for here. Okay. Yeah, it's like, you have a 3.2 rating on Yelp, but a 99% positive satisfaction rate or whatever. And it's just right. like, I, I, none of this really makes sense, but I don't know, like their cheese fries are great or something. Sure. Yeah. Or like you chose to uh, put a rainbow flag out. So a certain segment of the population ah. decided that you were a unacceptable restaurant, like things like that can happen. So. Yeah. Well, do you think you... You blew it with this set, or do you think you did a good job still? No, we did a slam. Uh, like this is, like I said, it was it was basically one person about one card, and then ninety nine point nine percent of all the feedback I've gotten has been incredible. A uh, lot of awesome, best limited set ever. Shook up the constructed metagame in a really exciting way. Pro tour that we have coming up looks really open. So uh, you know, I, I don't want to pat myself on the back too much, but if you were to ask for my honest 
assessment of how we did on this set, I would say it's a it's a nine out of ten. It's really good. Awesome, man. I'm yeah. I'm really glad to hear that. And I'm, I'm glad that the folks are with you too and are also yep. feeling that. Yeah, it's always good. Yeah. I dude, it's it's so weird working game design stuff. Like you just wait for so long for your thing to eventually come out. And it's mm-hmm. just like did we see things the same way that they're going to see it in real life? And like, how is this going to stand up to scrutiny with a, a much larger audience? And like, it's, it, it is tough, but then the reviews start rolling in and it's like, Oh yeah, people actually like this thing. I had to wait a year for it worth it. Yeah. And, and frankly, there was a lot about this set where I, I thought there was potential for, I always knew that the limited format was really strong, but some other aspects of it, I'm like, ah, I don't know if people are going to connect to these characters, if they're going to love, you know, the direction we took some things. And I, I was kind of expecting a little softer landing on some of the stuff okay uh, but it, it really didn't come to fruition like people just really it really resonated with them and they really loved our goals so it's cool to see it's it's kind of infectious though right because it there can be is. there can be a set where you really like the mechanics and the gameplay and especially if you are a big fan of limited and the limited format is really good then that in turn makes it so you find some like character or card to connect to that you really like. And yeah, it's just, it's like how nostalgia is created basically. And then when you see everyone else really like loving this thing, it's like, you know, maybe you were 60% in or whatever, but you see everyone else enjoying it more. That makes you enjoy it more. Like now, now you're like 80% approval rating or happiness with the set or whatever. And yeah. Yeah, and particularly in like this context, not to get too far into the weeds, but like we brought back a lot of uh, old heroes with this set, and it's kind of the first time we really did that in a large okay. scale. And so there's a big question of like, do the people actually have the bonds with these heroes that we think they do, or is it just like going to be met with uh, these heroes? Which aren't we supposed to get new heroes in a set? And there are new heroes as well, but like it, it was the first time we really called back to a lot of heroes as well, and it seems like. Uh, fuck yeah, people have intense connections to these heroes and yeah. it, it really delivered. Uh, is, is it like new versions of them or like how does no. it work? No, in, in this case, we basically used some older versions of already existing heroes and we integrated them into a new limited format and uh, you know added some new heroes okay. to the mix as well. And all that came into this really cool balance. And the coolest part is that uh, the long-suffering empirically worst hero in the game was one of these heroes that we brought back and when you have a worst hero in the game there's always people who kind of like semi-ironically but also maybe just like truly love that hero and embrace it and uh that hero is really strong now and it's super exciting to see people who have suffered with this hero for over two years now finally have a moment where the hero gets to be like a large part of the metagame and uh you know maybe steal some tournaments or two yeah, people love an underdog. Yep. All right, seven minutes of fab talk. I'm sorry, everyone. That, that was kind of my bad. I that was your fault. I, I swear to God, I had nothing to do with that. That was it. Was kind of my fault. I'll take I'll take like seventy percent responsibility. I just had like a bunch of like questions and stuff. It was. Interesting. I understand. But, I'm happy to answer them. Uh, so plan for today is part one. Uh, we're gonna go Wooberg order, alphabetical order from Scryfall because I don't know they're double-sided cards actually transform on like mythic spoilers so uh i'm, I'm ready to get into it how you feel yes I, i'm feeling good i'm feeling ready to talk about some mom which is still 
uh, weird, weird uh, tagline for a set. I feel weird every time I see it. But yes, let's speak about Bomb. Okay. Uh, we talked a little bit about the gold cards already and then did some of the, the black stuff last week. Uh, might have like dipped into a couple other colors too. But we're going to cover... The rest of the white, blue, and black stuff, at least from the stuff I saw that I liked when I was skimming, and we're going to start in white with Dusk Legion Duelist, which is one dub, two, two, creature vampire soldier vigilance. Whenever one or more plus one, plus one counters are put on this, draw a card. This ability triggers only once each turn. Dude, you're you're a vampire simp. Like, every time there's one of these white vampires that's kind of thirdly and draws a card, you get very excited about it. I mean, I like my creatures drawing cards. That's, like, the only time I like them. Uh, I I like this more for any sort of, like, heroic-looking kind of deck, you know? Yeah, sure. But it's weird where... the Obviously, the big thing to this is how are we putting counters on this thing, right? And I don't think the cards that really fit into like heroic sort of stuff are things that really put counters on them. Like there, there are some things that do it, but it's like your deck has, you know, one spell that distributes a counter. Like, is that good enough to play this? Probably not, but I don't know. It's not hard to make this work with like Luminarch Aspirant. And then uh, there's also a battle in the set that, that does it too. So there is, but the scaling on this feels a little soft to me. Like we've, we've had heroes in the past that, you know, if you think back to heroic heroes, they, when they were you targeted creatures? by creatures. Yeah, sorry. Jeez. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's the oh, first time no. I've ever done it in that direction. Oh, no. I'll tell you I've done it in the other direction a lot of times. That's the first time I've ever done it in that direction. That's the beginning of the end. That's when you know you're like, oh, yeah. I'm really in this thing and not this other thing. Probably, probably. But if anyway. you think about heroic creatures in the past, there were some that when you targeted them, they both got the plus one, plus one counter and drew a card in some scenarios. Like they literally trended that powerful. This is asking you to create the plus one, plus one counters yourself, which is a a little bit harder for sure. And the fact that it's capped means that you're never going to go completely broken. Two, two vigilance for two, way below rate of what we're looking for right now. This card doesn't make me want to play a heroic style deck. I do agree with you that if one existed, this is probably like a fine piece of glue for it, but it's not pulling me in that direction. What what heroic creatures drew cards? Like there, I had to draw. There was a I had to draw cards. One. Nope, I, I had to draw cards with uh, Thos's ordeal and treasure cruise. I'm going. I'm going to Scryfall. I need to look. I feel like in block constructed, there is a heroic creature that absolutely drew cards. So Battlewise Hoplite Scryed. Otherwise, you played the O four. You played the one two. You play uh uh. The thing that made your auras cost less, oh, hero of Aroas. That's actually a hero, if that helps. Maybe, maybe that's where you were. You were thinking. I do. I do actually heroic. think that's what I was thinking of. But uh huh. Hold on, I'm, I'm doing my heroic search and. Scrapple. Dude, I played a lot of heroic. Come on, I did too. I, I swear, I was drawing cards somewhere along the line. Yeah, with ordeal and treasure crews, not the creatures themselves. It's it's possible. It's possible. Anyway, this is the most irrelevant tangent whatsoever uh basically i i would like to play it in a deck like that but i don't think it works because i don't think that the cards exist there is a card that has flashback that puts a counter on things which is cool but then it's like okay that's the only thing you have so then i was like all right luminarch aspirant if you 
upgrade this to a 3-3 and it draws you a card, it, it has paid you. Like, you don't need to go broke with this thing in order for it to be good. Whenever you cast a spell that targets Triton Fortune Hunter, draw a card. And what's the mana cost on that? That is a two-colorless blue creature for a 2-2. Two -two. That's three mana. We never played those. We did not. Nope. It's a limited card for sure. I, I definitely played it in limited. I'll tell you that much. Uh, okay. But yes, I, I may have been mistaken about this one. Uh, Theros was my last pro tour before I went to work at Wizards. Okay. And so I played... Uh, that, was, that was a block pro tour, right? No, no, no. This, this was only Theros. Born of the Gods? No. It was not a block pro tour. No, no, okay, just let me finish my story. I'm saying that Sorry, I only I, I only drafted Theros, like, at that PT. Yeah. And then when I went into Wizards, Cons was there. So we were working with that. So I never played a lot of, like, Theros Limited, period. Because okay. I just missed Born of the Gods and Journey into Nyx altogether. Gotcha. Which, in hindsight, very fortunate. Yeah, probably. Probably true. Journey into Nyx was the block tour, right? Theros was yes. just the full featured one. Yeah, you're correct. correct. And Journey was in DC, I think. I wasn't at that one. I did. I did do some prep for it with my friends, but I, I wasn't there. I, so I played a lot of the heroic deck, but I, okay, I don't know why I thought there was actually a card drawer in that deck. Because you were drawing cards, it just wasn't with the creatures. Yeah. Uh, I, although I guess <laughs> if you wanted to like ordeal on this thing that kind of works but i'm not super hyped about playing an ordeal uh luminar gasparin and stuff like that i think is what you want with this card and i think it's good i i know i should just give this up but now i'm wondering if the heroic deck that i worked on with people for that pro tour was actually blue white and maybe actually played that creature that draws a card i don't think it did but i just i just can't shake the feeling that i've drawn cards in my heroic deck before when targeting Dude, I'm telling you, you did. It was not with the creatures. Anyway, can we move on? I guess so. Yeah. I'll, All right. I'll... Next up, Elish Norn. Uh, we, we covered some of these before. I don't think we did this one, though. Yeah, I'm not sure. It, it, I'm blending these together at this point because now there's four million of these players. Yeah. So. Every set has had one. I don't know. Anyway, Elish Norn is uh, two dub dub, three five, legendary creature, Phyrexian Praetor, Vigilance. Whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, that source's controller loses two life unless they pay one. And you can pay two dub, sack three other creatures, exile this, then return it to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control, activate only as a sorcery. Backside is a saga, the Argent Etchings. Chapter one, incubate two, five times, then transform all incubator tokens you control. So That's basically just make... Language. Love it. Yep, make five two twos. Uh, chapter two, creatures you control get plus one plus one and double strike until end of turn. Chapter three, destroy all other permanents except for artifacts, lands, and Phyrexians. Exile this, then return to the battlefield. It's a heck of a front, saga, man. That's that's front face up. It's very powerful. Uh, yeah. So you have Elish Norn. You pay three mana. You sacrifice three other creatures, which seems like a lot. And then you're losing the Elishnorn as a creature. So you're yeah. down four bodies, but immediately, immediately. Yeah. you get you get five two twos. So you're not losing too much, especially since I think 
what you're going to be sacrificing is like random mites or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you're probably getting some, some decent upgrades. And then chapter two goes off. All your stuff gets plus one, plus one double strike. I mean, if that doesn't kill them, well, the, you know, the saga keeps doing stuff. Elish Norton will eventually come back, et cetera. You keep playing the game. Yeah. This is, I, dude, I, I can't think of a time I've ever done this. I have no clue. I I don't even have a starting point for how good this is. Like it's weird in that it's very potentially snowbally because it interacts with itself as it moves through the saga progression, and then you get this Elshnorn back. You can transform an additional time if you want, and you sort of get this army in a can just off this one card. Should it go uninteracted with? But it's pretty easy to interact with. It has some immediate impact, like if you target this with a damage-based removal spell and they don't have an additional mana floating around, maybe you do immediate damage, but that's not going to happen all that often. So it's kind of weak when it first comes down. I just don't know, man. My instinct is that this card is not good, but I would not be the least bit shocked to have to completely eat my words on it. I think this is solid. Um... It, like, it basically has the same stats as Shieldred that give it kind of, like, built-in protection. Where, yeah, the five-toughness thing. Yeah, like, if it had four-toughness, it would be much worse. And I think the, the protection ability, like, it's not really protection, but, like, what else do you want to call it? I don't know. You know, like, whenever a source an opponent controls deals damage to you or a permanent you control, that source's controller loses two life unless they pay one, like... That's a significant tax if you're in a racing situation, too. It is. It absolutely is. Man, it's so hard to... like. First of all, what is the deck that this card is in? Is it just... It's, it's powerful enough you build around it? Is it just topping off your you know, white aggro deck? Is it in your white midrange decks? Is it in your Esper Legends deck? Is that where this is supposed to go? How do you visualize this fitting in? Uh, I don't know, but I've also learned to just try and evaluate the card on its own, yep. if if possible, because if the thing is good enough, it will... It will find a home. Yeah. 100%. So, uh, the answer to all of those is yes, I guess. Like, there there have been some more aggressive-leaning mono-white decks. Uh, there have been some mid-rangey aggro white decks showing up, where it's like you know, 30 creatures or whatever, but it goes up to four and five mana stuff. And uh, certainly in Esper Legends, now like you could make the case where there's plenty of good stuff at four mana already, where it's like, you want to play this over Shieldred actually? Yeah, You know, maybe not. But yeah, like you can't pinpoint an exact home, but the cards are good enough where, well... You know, if you wanted to play with this card, if it was worth playing with, you would you'd have a spot for it. You know, between the four or five different white decks out there, it could slot into one of them for sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep a close eye on this one. I'm curious where it falls. I have no prediction to make. Just don't know. Yeah, I I think that I'm pretty happy with it just on its face. And then the whole transforming thing is also really good, but it's more of a, a later game consideration. That well, competition, like, though, at, at this point on the mana curve is so... It's a lot. Like it, it's, it's probably like the most intense 
we've ever seen for four mana creatures in standard. Like, I, yeah, I, I just don't know. I, I guess like post rotation, you have to consider: does this card fill in some gaps to where some of those powerful options may leave uh, standard, and then we can look back at Elshnorn and find something good here. True. All right. Uh, next up, we have some more battles. Invasion of Gobacon. Do you know where this place is? Because I have never heard of it. I have never heard of Gobacon. Okay. Uh, one dub. Battle Siege. Three defense. When this enters the battlefield, look at target opponent's hand. You may exile a non-land card from it for as long as that card remains exiled. Its owner may play it. A spell cast this way costs two more to cast. Is this just exactly Elite Spellbinder? Yeah. Which was strong. Well, yeah, that was attached to a creature. This is yeah. a two mana. Well, I'm, I'm waiting really to see what we get on the backside. It, it could be anything. It could be a boat. It, it could be anything. Uh, only three defense, which is not small. a lot. Very small. And the backside is light shield array and enchantments. At the beginning of, uh, of your end step, put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature that attacked this turn. Sacrifice this creatures you control, gain hexproof and indestructible until end of turn. Uh, okay. This is not what I expected to find on the backside, but... Uh, elite spellbinder a lot of times was used to buy some time against decks that wanted to sweep you early on or you know play a longer game reset the battlefield that was a huge huge portion of its role it was huge against emergent ultimatum decks right and just finding time against those decks this seems more pointed towards specifically finding time against rats because not only are you pushing up the cost of that wrath but once you actually flip this, you get some further defense as well, as well as a, a greater clock. So this is a more narrow card than I expected it to be, but I, I, it feels really good to me for its narrow application. Yeah, that was my thought too. Like it, it's, you're kind of expecting a threat on the backside, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Like just an actual creature. But when it was not a creature, I was like, oh, this is kind of like weird and sort of a letdown but it's like this is a pretty interesting and good version of it where it's sort of an anthem but it also scales and then the the protection is massive man yeah. it's so good it scales pretty quickly too like it's not hard to envision pretty good curves outs where you play this on turn three get that immediate effect you've played a one drop two drop you attack into it right away this flips and now that one drop two drop are both getting plus one plus one counters and you have your shield ready to go with this light shield array on the backside, you've done a lot of work already just off that two drop. Right. So I, I actually like this card quite a bit. I, I agree with you. Narrow, but very strong. And it works with that vampire. There you go. I knew it was going to come back around to the vampire. I told you there was a battle, uh, and it's a good one. All right. Uh, next up, Invasion of Theros, two dub, four defense. When this enters the battlefield, search your library for an aura, god, or demigod card. Reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle. And the backside is a Fara ever sheltering. It's weird. I like open it in a new tab to read it sideways, but then I want to go back to the original page and then flip the card rather than just read the text. This is, by the way, clear front runner for the wordiest set ever, right? Like this has to be the new winner. I don't know because I feel like there. There are definitely like, you know, cards with two sides and they are kind of wordy, but then there's also a lot of stuff that is pretty simplistic. Okay. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, Afara Ever Sheltering is a 4-4, uh, like 
the front side is white, but the back side is blue and white. I, I, I don't think I'm going to bring that up ever again for these other things, but okay. it is interesting and like kind of worth noting at least once, I think. So it, it does have blue and white identity once it flips. I, I believe so. Yeah, I, I'm basing that mostly on the little circle next to legendary enchantment creature god oh which I, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean i was just looking at the border and how it's yeah like, yeah you know, blue that's where i started but like what convinces me that that is not only like flavor but part of the actual rules of the card is that little circle yeah and i actually like that a lot versus saying like this card is blue and white or mm-hmm. whatever. yeah i agree it's an unnecessary text okay anyway so Farah four four legendary enchantment creature god this has lifelink and indestructible as long as you control three at least three other enchantments whenever another enchantment enters the battlefield under your control draw card the the front side can be like good enough in certain spots like i don't actually care that much about the back side in this instance not to say like it's a good card on the front side but i do think there are very specific archetypes that have to find a key or a god demigod i'm thinking more aura than god or demigod but uh having a three mana two to Shooter is not completely out of the question. I think that is just barely on the verge of playable if the thing you are doing is game-winning strong enough, which is probably how you use this card. And then that little bit of extra value is, like, fine. I don't think it's determining all that much, but you're happy to have it. And then what happens when you actually are like, okay, I just want to flip this as much as humanly possible because I believe Afara is extremely, extremely strong can you just turn this into like enough value where you, this becomes a demigod and then you're attacking it and it transforms reliably? That case seems pretty slim to me. I, I'm not excited about this as a fair card. I'm more excited about it as a very niche tutor that finds powerful cards and then has a small amount of upside. I, I don't really want to build around this thing. Okay, I'm the reverse. Interesting. I think, I think that I, but part of that is because I have specific home in mind. All right. Okay. So I think a three mana tutor is pretty bad. And most of the time, or a god or demigod are just like such limiting card types that For sure. it's it's gonna be rare that there's an archetype where it's like, oh, I just need this specific god at this one moment or whatever. And even if you're looking for a specific aura, like you don't want to pay three mana to tutor for it. But if if this is basically uh, three mana battle that also cantrips, and then you can take advantage of Afara on the backside and like pretty easily uh, kill this battle to like get the Afara. Then I, I think that that's potentially huge. And there are just the decks that are like generous visitor and like the two drop uh, Jukai thing, and mm-hmm. you know like those sort of like boggly decks that did kind of exist in standard for a hot minute. And we're actually like the deck to play in a, a couple of the standard tournaments, you know, and I think that uh, historic too was it was like the best deck there, even though it was like mostly just standard cards, which was like maybe not right, but like that was definitely what one of the tournaments had, how, how one of the tournaments played out. Uh, so I, I think that this is not that hard to kill. I think that Afara has a lot of upside, and then yeah, I mean you're you're picking up an extra card off the battle itself that is going to fuel the Afara later. And 
it just seems like this allows those sort of enchantment decks to go a little bit bigger. Like they were doing stuff like splashing showdown of the scalds to get a little more card economy, you know? And I think mm -hmm. that this is just an on color way to do that. Once again, not going to run out of cards in standard. Every card is many cards. Well, you're not because now you don't have to like splash for it anymore before they had that problem until they started splashing and like looking for actual uh, things that would solve that problem for them. But I think that this is important for them. It's it's a good piece of the puzzle. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if this uh, does a lot to lift up that archetype. I, I think a four, are we calling it toughness? What are we calling for? It is points? it is technically defense. They are, they are okay. defense counters. Okay. A f I think a four defense siege or four defense battle can be quite challenging to kill is my guess based on no play whatsoever and just you know complete hearsay i feel like four is kind of where things start getting tough i think three can be a free roll in a lot of instances yeah uh but uh, just, I, I can't even tell you why there's just like some pause i get to when i see that four number it looks because, large and daunting to me because if you go like one drop into two drop into invasion of theros you're you might come up you know, short yeah in the deck that i'm talking about like generous visitor into jukai thing um i mean i guess that actually does it because the jukai thing's an enchantment so maybe yes. not but like if you're playing like a one power thing into a two power thing into this then yeah you're you're going to be just short and then i mean maybe it's maybe it's fine like you don't need the fara immediately you're missing out on four damage next turn potentially but yeah. if you are able to like get this down to one and you have two creatures what are the odds that you're going to be able to kill it next turn when they didn't have any blockers or protection the turn before. You know, I, th I think it's pretty reasonable to assume that you'll be able to kill it on the following turn. I I want to propose an alternate way of thinking about these cards. And I, I know this is flawed. I'm not saying this is how you should think about them. I don't think this is a shortcut. I just want to propose it because I do think it opens up some interesting evaluation of these. And that's reading these cards as if they say, when you play this, your opponent gains four life. Again, I know that's not what's happening, but... There, there yeah. is some merit to looking at it that way because you are putting four points of damage that would otherwise go to your opponent onto this thing. And in most cases, True. I won't say most cases, in some cases, that's not going to matter because the game is just all about battlefield presence, generating advantage. It's not actual numbers. But in some cases, particularly in cases where like I feel like they might be inclined to use this invasion of Theros, uh, it can matter. Those, those life totals will be very relevant. And I, I think we sort of gloss over that when we talk about these cards sometimes. I just wanted to reframe it around that and then see if that does anything to adjust your opinion of this card. No, that's that's legit. Um, both of the, the battles that we've talked about do things that make it so your opponent gaining a few life becomes more irrelevant than it yeah. would in a normal game where, like, the other one anthems you potentially like every turn and mm -hmm. gives you effectively an extra turn when facing like sweepers or whatever. So it's just like, yeah, is, is the extra three life going to matter? And in the case of this one, Afaro, you're cantripping off of every enchantment you play. Like you're probably going to go pretty big, right? Yeah. Especially if you can protect Afaro, if it's just right. flipping into those scenarios. So yeah. And actually I think that you're, it's going to be more, life gained for them than the amount of defense on the battle. Mm, because it forces you into like inefficient combat sometimes. And yeah, sometimes you're going to yeah. have to like over attack it, right? Yeah. But 
I don't know. It's like the same stuff happens whenever your opponent plays a planeswalker or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, like Jace the Mind Sculptor gained them five life or something. But yeah, it, and that was that was pretty good. Yeah, the, the the calculus is different though for how much that matters because like your opponent's being down a card and whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you're yeah. you're up a card in this instance, so I don't know. I I think that's a fine way to look at it, but I also think that if a lot of these battles were just like, oh, you just get a 2-2 or something. Well, then none of them are worth attacking, right? Like five damage is going to be worth more than just getting an additional creature. But like the backsides are things that are actually worth achieving. In yeah, they're enticing. So, yeah, uh, I, they're, I'm interested to play with these. I, I think they did a good job of like towing the line between making them enticing. And, you know, there's some that I'm worried just snowball things out of control. But like I said, there's a big level of investment to transforming a lot of these. Yeah, there are definitely going to be some games where you're just like, play my battle, get the front side, but it is better to just be attacking you than try and achieve this victory condition of killing my battle, you know? Yep. So that, that'll that happen, but for the most part, and especially we're talking about the context of like casting these on turn three or whatever, well, the game is going to be about flipping the battle, most likely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, Progenitor Exarch, XX dub. 1-2, creature, Phyrexian Cat Cleric. When this enters the battlefield, incubate 3x times. And tap to transform target incubator token you control. I think this is good. I think it's quite strong. I think cool. one, one mana threats that scale are extremely impactful. The fact that you can have your one drop occasionally go ahead and be your five drop or your seven drop and bring... Uh, three three threes with it that's really really strong the the place i mostly want to play this is like this is my one drop and playing it on turn one whenever i can and then i have other things which are just incubating on the side and i'm able to gain some mana efficiency so essentially progenitor xr becomes tap gain two mana as well as a one drop and then that's really exciting for a card that also scales extremely well when you draw late game copies uh, is basically all the words that I would have said. So, gotcha. I, I think we're in agreement. I I don't I don't think that this is, you know, like slam dunk, incredible. Got to build around nope. this or whatever. But it's a very very nice card to have. Yep, right there with you. And and I guess I lied. Uh, I said we were going in alphabetical, but <laughs> I slightly mixed up this one. Uh, this this next card is technically before the Exarch, but uh, we'll blame public schools. Oh, wow. Uh, Phyrexian Sensor. Two dub, three, three. Creature Phyrexian Wizard. Each player can't cast more than one non Phyrexian spell each turn. Non Phyrexian creatures enter the battlefield tapped. Damn, that's a hell of a hate card for an uncommon. Like, that. that's right? a banger right there. And honestly, dude, that's why I kind of skipped it because I was like, I don't have time to read like all these common and uncommons. And I was like, wait, no, like, I, I should read them. And this so I does put not down the read like an uncommon. Yeah. No, it doesn't. So I put down the XR first, and I was like, oh, wait, actually, the sensor is just busted. <laughs> like, this card yeah. rules. Yeah, extremely, extremely strong. You, like, not even in the context of you build your deck around Phyrexians, which you 100% can do, and then this card just goes apeshit on your opponent. But, like, this effect in and of itself, it's matchup changing in a lot of spots. Like, we've seen this be a very real thing. Uh, Aethersworn Canonist was a modern legacy vintage staple for years and years and years and you know three versus two very big difference not trying to say this is the same as ether sworn canonist but 
it's kind of close, especially considering that it has other upside that it brings along with it. Right. And when you're attacking, having your opponent's creatures enter the battlefield tapped, like if you played any aggro Thalia, the last version of Thalia that came around, the 3-2, you know how damning it is to your opponent and how much it puts them on the back foot when you're just able to shut down their team. So I, I, I think this, alongside Progenitor Exarch, has me thinking like, Okay, where's our Phyrexian aggro deck? This seems very real to me. Yeah. It's something that has the power needed to push through. Maybe not pre-rotation, because standard is extremely strong right now, but post-rotation, I think it could have some legs. Oddly, I think the creatures your opponents play, ETB tapped, is like my favorite sort of proactive anti-defense measure for creature mm-hmm. decks. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it, even though it hasn't shown up in a ton of spots. And Certainly, you put that on, like, Kismet or something. It's like, well, I don't want to pay four mana for an enchantment, you know, something that doesn't affect the board. Like, that's no, not but, very good. But a 3-3, three, three, hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. And this is kind of cool where it affects opponents who are trying to, like, play a bunch of blockers and maybe beat you in combat, and it affects people who are just trying to do, like, spell-based stuff. So this is, yeah. like, kind of good against everyone. Seems very good. And yeah, like you mentioned, you, you don't necessarily have to be like full Phyrexian, right? It's like you play a Phyrexian spell and then a normal spell, and it's like, well, I'm out of mana anyway, so who cares? Mm-hmm. So I like this card a lot. I And I definitely like this, and uh, there's like the Furnace, whatever, whatever, Uncommon 3-3 from the last set that deals damage if they have a bunch of non-basics and stuff. Like, yeah. I, I like that that move. Like, these, these cards are pretty solid. They're seeing a decent amount of play. And yep. I, I think this one is good too. Pretty good looking. Uh, Sunfall, last white card. Three dub dub sorcery. Exile all creatures. Incubate X, where X is the number of exiled creatures this way. And I thought there was another line of text, but no, it's just all reminder text. Uh, this is a card that I feel like you would love. Uh, I I do like these effects for sure. I think the competition. It's pretty intense right now. There's a, a lot of good sweepers in standard. I know, but I, I just think classic Brian. You know? yeah, yeah, I've certainly played many effects like this very, very happily. Uh, I like the broad sweeper that exiles as opposed to destroys. I like getting a little bit of value behind. We've, we've had cards very similar to this in the past. I don't know exactly uh, what the typing was, but I, I can almost visualize myself casting something very akin to this effect before there's a mirrored uh, one that i think costs six maybe and this costing five when previously it was like we get a wrath at five mana that does something negligible yeah you know it's like not actually worth a card or worth a threat or anything and this seems like a pretty big step up honestly I actually kind of like, too, that it turns into a token and not immediately a creature because you then get to time when you're going to try and protect this thing. So, yeah, I, I know that just pure, like, Drago counter magic sweeper stuff is an idea left behind in the 2010s. Um, but if you are playing that style, you get to wait until it is advantageous to you to actually expose this thing. Your counter magic is ready. You're happy to protect. And... That's that's a really nice play pattern for old school control mages. I don't think it's what we're about right now, but it is a little point in favor of Sunfall's playability, which is weird to say because it's essentially adding an additional cost onto this effect as opposed to just a free creature, but I think it's actually going to be better in a lot of spots. Yeah, I mean, especially in game ones, 
when you're you're playing a control deck against a creature deck. Like you play your sweeper, you get a threat off of it. Well, chances are they're going to have a yep, removal, removal spell that ready. wasn't. Yeah, well, it wasn't doing anything up until that point anyway, and you're just you just don't have to expose it until yeah you have counter magic open or or something else ready to protect it, defend it, or get some other use out of it. So. Uh, if I had the choice, like I would rather have it come in as an incubate token rather than just like a five five. I think so, and in a, a good number of scenarios, anyway. Yeah. So this this card is pushed compared to sweepers we've had previously. I I agree that there's both a lot of competition and, you know, something like this is not as good as it used to be. Mm. But this is a very good version of this. Yeah, getting some more points allocated to the sweeper side of things these days. And uh, I think it's good. I think that's a good piece of balance for Magic. Yeah. All right, on to the blue cards. Uh, not a ton of them. Blue actually looks kind of weak, but there's also a lot of gold cards in the set too, and maybe that's where a lot of the you know, power points were distributed. But uh, yep. first up is maybe not even a card we're talking about, but I want to talk about it. Artistic Refusal, 4UU, Instant, Convoke. Choose one or both, a counter-target spell, draw two, then discard a card. Yeah, I mean, those are powerful effects. I, it it begs the question, how much am I convoking? How many blue creatures do I have floating around that are ready to be tapped at will? I don't know the answer to that. I think your goal is like not necessarily to have blue creatures. It's just like to reduce the colorless cost and, and get down to... You're just paying blue-blue for this, and then it's probably pretty strong, but... It, it will make it more face up than you would like. I'll say that. Like these cards are often pretty easy to read, and I, I have to have a very pointed game plan before I'm happy to go towards artistic refusal. I don't see one I want to build right now, but I understand why you highlighted this card for sure. I I just want to be like a Bant mid range deck. Yep. And just be like tapping out and using all my mana and developing my board and maybe having some things like planeswalkers that generate tokens or whatever right and then yeah you just if we have, have a bunch of vigilance if we have a bunch of vigilance stuff i think the math around this changes completely right like that's when it gets real exciting yeah i mean i just don't attack it's fine okay but i, I like that's the usually fact my that, stance not yours but i, I yeah. trust me i'm with that <laughs> Uh, I, I think that if if you're doing the thing where you get to like develop your board and then also hold open a counter spell and you get a, a catalog off this for free as well, like that's that's pretty nice. I don't think this is a card that you play four of or anything, mm -hmm. but yeah, one is your top end could be good. Yeah, uh, or you know maybe in I don't know matchups with like Invoke Despair or whatever. It's like you bring in like a second copy or something so that you can do your thing while. Uh, also holding open interaction. And I think you just get into board states where you have a bunch of stuff going on, but also this at the ready and your opponent's just like kind of sunk, you know? Yeah, I guess I'll also point out that there's a few creatures out there that generate two creatures, right? There's things like the the Blade Splicer alternative. There's the, uh, what's, who's who's the legend? The Black Blue legend uh, from the last set that makes the 3-3 three, three Golem. Oh, Venser, but you need to yeah, pull Venser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, that's fine. There's, that's, those are small bodies around that you can go ahead and proliferate with. So, I, I could see this having a home potentially in that kind of strategy. Yeah. So I, I, I really don't think it's that difficult to get six kind of like crappy creatures 
The tougher part is making sure that the two of them are blue, but I'm sure yeah. that the pieces for that probably exist. Yeah, probably. Or it's just like, you know, maybe one's blue and you have a mana or something. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't need to get the full discount here for this card to actually be good. I want to, though. It'd be nice. All right. Uh, blue battle time. You ready? Sure. Uh, now we're going to Segovia. Invasion of Segovia. To you, battle for defense. When this enters the battlefield, create two, one, one, blue Kraken creature tokens with trample. You like okay. that, Brian? Yeah, we're on the beatdown plan. Love it. Well, two blue tokens also. Yeah, good point. Uh, backside is Cadus, Sea Tyrant of Segovia. Legendary Creature Serpent, 3-3. Three, three. Non-creature spells you cast have Convoke. At the beginning of your end step, untap up to four target creatures. All right, All right we, we did it. You, you got your Vigilance. You did it. Yeah, we did it. Okay. Problem solved. Put four of these and uh, four of the Artistic Refusal on the deck, and then we're off to the races. Four is still a lot of Artistic What can go wrong? Four and four. Yeah, It'll be you fine. Just, you just discard one or the other. It's fine. Right. Pitches to horse well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, last blue card, Rona Herald of. Well, no, hold on. Let's let's talk about this. This is this is a battle that makes two one ones, mm-hmm. right? For three mana, how much is that? Like that's got to move the needle a lot as far as the ease at which you get to kill this thing. It depends. I... <laughs> you're building in such a way that like you're trying to leverage these one ones, right? And so you it don't want to like, like chump attack them, basically. Yeah, but. yeah. Like, what what are you actually supposed to do with them? And then you you still want them around so you can benefit on the backside. So it's like anything else. Like it it does feel very snowbally. And if I can just do my thing unimpeded, then sure, this card seems strong. I don't think I'm going to do my thing unimpeded all that often. I think the one ones are going to end up meaningless. The, the real damning part, I think, is that the backside of this card just makes a 3-3, and it, it dies to everything. Just everything. And Yeah, but then your Planeswalker Death Convoke, so. <sighs> okay. <laughs> that's that's good, I guess. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't buy this card. It just seems kind of generally low power. Mm, so I, I, I agree with you. I think the backside payout is low power i think that the bodies it gives you means that you know a lot of the battles we're talking about are like can we play this and like kill it immediately or whatever yep but this is definitely one where it's setting you up to kill it on the next turn yep uh and it makes it way easier to do that because you're getting an untapped step and then you know you can spend your mana clearing blockers or whatever and like yeah maybe they uh block one of your Krakens with a 2-2 or something, but like you're getting another body, the 3-3, three, three, right? So you're not actually down a body if you chump attack one creature. Yeah, if you succeed at all this, but you're like a right, but I'm, blue deck. Like what are you what are you how are you getting there? No, play this in a green deck, dude. Okay. I guess I'm thinking I can. like again, like bands. I'm not trying to do mono blue here. That's that's probably not gonna work out. No, I understand that. I, I, I don't. I just don't see the investment ever being worth it because you still like, even when you achieve this thing, now you need to have a good non-creature spell with Convoke to actually benefit from it. You need to, uh, have ideally something that's an instant. So like you, actually like you sort of want to build your own, 
uh, wilderness reclamation in a lot of scenarios. Like that's the ceiling of this card. Yeah, uh, that's that's a thing. Sure. Yeah, they're, they'd be nice. I just don't right. believe it's ever going to happen. Check this out, though. Uh, non-creature spells you have Convoke, right? Yeah. This is a three-mana card that makes two one-ones. Mm-hmm. So if you have similar cards that are like three-mana spells that make tokens or whatever, you're getting a big discount on them, too. So you don't necessarily need to play forever with the Convoke thing, but it's like maybe you get one good turn where you're just like spewing out, you know, one mana makes some one massive, one mana, yeah. yeah, and then you do some massive thing at the end of that chain, possibly. Yeah, maybe. I mean, there again, like there, there are a bunch of like big Convoke cards uh, and Artistic Refusal, even at the top end, seems pretty good to me, but mm-hmm. whatever. Anyway, uh, a battle that makes bodies, I felt, was pretty interesting, even if the, the payoff is not as snowball or as powerful. Sure. That's all. Okay. Uh, Rona, Herald of Invasion, 1U, 1-3, Legendary Creature, Human Wizard. Whenever you cast a Legendary spell, untap this. You can tap it to draw a card, then discard a card, and you can pay 5 and uh, Phyrexian Black Mana to transform this, activate only the sorcery. Backside is Rona, Telerian Obliterator, 5-5, five, five, Legendary Creature, Phyrexian Wizard, Trample. Whenever a source deals damage to this, that source's controller exiles a card from their hand at random. If it's a land card, you may put it under the battlefield under your control. Otherwise, you may cast it without paying its mana cost. Okay. It's a lot of words. All seemingly also chosen at random. But that that front side is quite appealing to me. Like, there's plenty of spots where you just have a lot of legendary things in your deck. There's literally a deck built around it in standard right now where this just happily sits on that curve, fixes every hand you ever have because you're, you know, playing at least one, if not two legendary spells per turn. You're finding exactly what you need. And then this scales into a real fearsome, potentially game-ending threat. That's kind of all I need here. I I don't see a need to push for all that much more. Also, this is a card that you can play in a lot of combo-ish scenarios too. Um, Oh, like what? Like Kefis comes to mind as a card that could potentially play this. Um, there's the old Paradox Engine setups where you're just untapping things all the time and you're using Mox Ambers to, to juice this and moving them around. Um, I don't know. Like Particularly its interaction with Mox Amber I think is very, very interesting. Okay, so I, I do like this in Esper Legends. And especially the the versions that are moving more towards like Toulouse. Mm-hmm. And like you can just get all of those cards back. Uh, but the real reason I want to talk about this is because my friend sent me a deck list that is a pioneer combo deck. Because okay. uh, Rona, Mox Amber, and Retraction Helix is infinite mana. I'm not at all surprised. And not at all surprised. What I'm, I'm Googling the... Retraction Helix. Hold on. Okay, it's you instant. Until end of turn, target creature gains tap. I thought it target, was that. This is like a Shadowmore card, right? Like an OG Shadowmore card, I think. Uh, oh, Born of the Gods. It's Born of the Gods. Yeah. Yep. Maybe played in those heroic decks. No, it was uh, okay. uh, the the OG, like, Jeskai Ascendancy. I thought we had come full circle, but yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Born of the Gods, like, we kind of did. Yeah. So... 
this deck is like Tyvar, then, uh, you know, giving Rona haste. And you have infinite mana and... Uh, let's see. This doesn't sound hard at all. And it sounds like it uses a bunch of cheap, cheap spells. Right. So then uh, Tyvar, if you have that, you get to then bounce that infinitely once you have infinite mana. Yeah. Uh, and then mill your entire deck, bring back Jace, Rin's Prodigy, and then bring back Canker Bloom and proliferate to the Jace's ultimate. So. And this went on the spot. Yeah. He sent me a link to a Scryfall decklist from at S Shearing. So I, I don't know who that is, but uh, this deck actually looks pretty good because the rest of it is just like Ledger Shredder, Consider Fatal Push. Yeah, yeah good cards. Treasure Cruise. Like, yep. yeah. <laughs> Still gets to play Gigantha and it's like, okay, damn. No, that, that footprint is really, really small. Like, it, it doesn't ask a lot of you. And like, I, I know the kill is like getting a little bit in the weeds and there's some weird cards there. I have a feeling you can probably find a cleaner way to do the kill. I have a feeling you can probably minimize how much you actually have to lean on the combo and play like, you know, sold high good stuff and and just backdoor into this sometimes. I, I'll be honest, until you read this card to me, it was not on my radar, but this could very easily be the most impactful card in the set for older formats. It, seem, it seems very real to me. And my radar is usually pretty good for this stuff, so... Yeah, a lot of, a lot of very good appealing text, and then also has combo applications with like window yep. cards, and is just not a bad card on its own. I don't think it is at all. I agree with you. And then also, yeah, just Esper Legends, sign me up, dude. People are playing like U Dub three two flyers for two. I would much rather have this to go with like my Raven Mans and Toulouse's and stuff. All right, let's let's spec. Let's buy uh which of the nine versions should we buy out right now? <laughs> God. None <laughs> Can we still do but, this? But the foil uh whatever collector booster version. Now do I want the etched foil? Do I want the Phyrexian no, foil? Never do I want never the full the, art foil. Never the etched foil. Hold on. Okay. Uh, By the way, I don't know if any of these actually exist, but... Oh, okay. Uh, it looks like there's just a reg and a showcase. Ooh, I don't... The showcase is like stained glass. Okay. There's no way there's only three versions of this card. There has to be at least, like, seven. I, I don't know, man. Uh, I I would do... How would you showcase foil, probably? Okay. What are we looking at? How much is going to set us back? Uh, looks like... Wait. Hold on. No, nah, the regular foil is more expensive currently, so apparently people don't like the stained glass. What? Oh, they don't have foils up yet. Oh, crap. Now we've we've given away our investment strategy. Uh, but the, the regular is like three and some change, and the showcase is three, so... Yeah, I mean, like... Five years ago, I would have said, go ahead and buy these, but I no longer know how the market works, so I'm not going to try. Yeah, I, I used to understand the market too, and now I'm just perpetually confused because mm -hmm. like nothing really makes sense, but I guess that's kind of what happens when you throw 10 versions of everything into the mix is just like, 
who could predict what's going to happen? No one. Actually, yeah, I, I thought I like hacked the system by just buying the most expensive version possible for a long time. That was my game plan. And I think in the era I was doing that, it was actually a pretty good strategy. It was, um, yeah. But I, I no longer feel that way about that strategy. I'm not sure that actually works anymore. Yeah. All right, on to the black cards. Bloated processor, 2B, 3-2, creature Phyrexian. Sacrifice another Phyrexian, put a plus one, plus one counter on this. When this dies, incubate X, where X is its power. Uh, free sacrifice ability at instant speed. Yes. All you have to say to me. That's all yeah, I need. And I, I realize it's limited, cap. but yeah, I, I still think this card is probably extremely worth building around. Figure out how you're making your Phyrexians. You know, jam those mites out, whatever you have to do get this as big as possible and then enjoy the fact that it is it has backup you're not going to get punished for going all in on this card this is kind of like the dream card for those type of decks right any anything think back to uh something like rally the ancestors right uh those, those old rally decks that were very in on nantuko husk type effects there was a lot of risk there and Bloated Processor takes a large amount of the risk away because you're always going to get paid on that backside, assuming you're able to get through the deck building hurdles. But there's a lot of good Phyrexians. I think this is very doable. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Uh, it is a little unfortunate that it's another. So if you wanted to cash it in for a yep. token for whatever reason. Yeah, vulnerable uh, to exile effects basically is what we're saying. Yes, there. exactly. So that's kind of unfortunate, but the rest of it is really good. And like you mentioned, there are... A ton of Phyrexians and also a lot of the Phyrexians just, you know, have ETB and die triggers and stuff like that. Like that is yep. very much what they're about. So this card is pretty nice. It's a great place to take this risk too. I love, I love like, you know that people like these type of effects, but they're so, so dangerous, so dangerous. And this seems like a really safe space to put it on some nice safety valves without being like face up about them on this card. So right. I, I really like this card. Yep, me too. Uh, next up, Invasion of Fiora. Uh, do you know where Fiora is? Uh, top laner, right? She's a top laner. <laughs> and... uh, okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't actually know. She didn't show up in Arcane yet, so. Okay. Uh, 4BB, battle, 4 defense. When this enters the battlefield, choose one or both. Destroy all legendary creatures or destroy all non-legendary creatures. Backside. Probably why you don't know where Fiora is is uh, Marchesa. This is a a commander thing. Conspiracy, if you want to get technical, but yes. Uh, Marchesa, Resolute Monarch, Legendary Creature, Human Noble, 3 6, Menace Death Touch. When this attacks, remove all counters from up to one target permanent. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you haven't been dealt combat damage since your last turn, you draw a card and lose a life. Hmm, that's an interesting set of abilities there. So attack. Planeswalker killer, for sure. Battle killer. Battle killer, yeah, that's nice too. And then pseudo monarch shenanigans. Okay. Here's the thing though. Six mana battle that is a sweeper. What are the odds that you are going to win the fight over this battle? Assuming you're using it like that. Obviously, well, if you're talking like Esper Legend sort of stuff. Right. That I mean, that's got to be the play here. Right? Like, I'm pretty sure that's the intention behind this card is just one-sided sweeper, not not an all-sided sweeper. Um, and, you know, it can work both ways. There's a lot of legendary creatures in standard right now. So this can be like a hard sideboard card against something like Esper Legends. 
or it can just be the way Esper Legends beats up on all the other creature decks. And, you know, for a deck that's already very strong to have a very pointed sideboard option that is essentially a one-sided draft, it's a big deal. Yeah, probably against other creature decks, you like cut Thalia, uh, so then your own card is not hosing you. You could right. get this way to Rona or to Luce or, you know, Rafine, whatever, if you don't need it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it seems reasonable to me, and but just in, in the context of like playing it as a sweeper in like a control deck, how are you then going to kill this thing? You could be like black white control, and the wandering emperor comes and cleans it up. Like you don't have to kill it okay. right away, right? Like yeah, and there's always Bankbuster too, right? Yeah, Bankbuster is a good call, sure. So it, it, I don't think it, it's super likely, but it's not impossible. Yeah, it just seems weird to me where it's, you know, this battle that kills everything yeah. when you're then trying to, like, attack and kill the battle. But it is an interesting puzzle to try and solve, you know? I'm not sure I super get the flavor behind battles, if we're being honest. I, I don't either, but, okay. you know. I, it is, again, weird that it's, like, a thing that you own, but you're going to put it on your opponent's side of the field and like you attack it and they choose whether or not they want to like engage in the battle. I, it, yeah, it's all weird. But then it turns into a creature for some reason. Yeah. Or, you know, God knows <laughs> what else, right? Like they're or an enchantment, a, a spell. Or, I don't yeah. Whatever yeah. it wants to do. Uh, yeah, it, it is all, all kind of weird. Whatever. Um, last card. Shieldred, just Shieldred. It's like Prince or whatever. Yeah. Uh, 3 BB, 4 5. Legendary creature for Exine Parader, Menace. When this enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices a non token creature or planeswalker. 4 B, exile this, then return to the battlefield transformed under its owner's control. Activate only the sorcery and only if an opponent has eight or more cards in their graveyard. Backside is a saga, the true scriptures, chapter one for each opponent. Destroy up to one target creature or planeswalker that player controls. Chapter two, each opponent discards three cards, then mills three cards. Chapter three, put all creature cards from all graveyards onto the battlefield under your control. Exile this, then return to the battlefield face up. All right, first, I I hate these single names. Hate it for no reason. I'm sure it's fine, but it's just really weird. Second, man, this card seems so good. Like, just the front side seems like a reasonably playable creature. Like, it's actually the type of creature that if you take off the exile clause on the bottom, it's the type of creature that is in preview season. We completely underestimate it, don't care about it whatsoever, and then it turns out it's actually a pillar in the standard format and is very, very important for just being large, evasive, and cleaning up shit on your opponent's side and fitting very well into all types of decks, be it aggressive decks, be it decks that whittle your opponent down and try and get them to just one threat, and then this cleans up their last Planeswalker or whatever it may be. Uh, The fact that it sacrifices specifically non-token creatures or Planeswalker, very, very nice, because it'll dodge things like Wandering Emperor making tokens to protect itself, so you still get through. So I think this card is just good straight up minus all the shenanigans and then the shenanigans just win the game i'm pretty sure and there's a lot of gating behind it like you have to pay five that's tough 
Uh, you have to only do this as a sorcery, so you're vulnerable to removal and you can get blown out and they have to have eight or more cards in their graveyard. All those things are limiters. And if the front side wasn't so good as just a straight up card, I would care a lot more about that. But it is really good. So this is all a bonus to me. And the yes. fact that this bonus just is going to flip and then win the game, straight up win the game in a lot of spots. Uh, you know, I haven't really started thinking about top 10 type stuff yet. I, I think this would be close to number one for me right now. I think. Uh, uh, it, it would be that high for me, but I, I do like a, a big flame tongue Kabu, you know? Yeah. And it's a special flame tongue Kabu. It's one that does a good job of dodging uh, very specific countermeasures. And then talk about that upside on the back. And uh, I don't know. I, I can very easily talk myself into this at the top of my list word uh i'm not sure what my top 10 would look like exactly so far plus we have a couple colors to go through and the late edition gold cards and stuff yep i'm not even sure this would be on my top 10 but okay we'll, we'll figure it out in a week or so still have time Still have oh, time. you know what though I, I forgot about scrappy bruiser so uh yeah i guess this would be my number two card Oh, word. Yeah, that's the uh, raccoon card for... Correct. <laughs> like, I didn't know, but I'm assuming that it is. Yeah, good assumption. Okay, cool. I'm glad I was right. Uh, Yeah, that's it for now. I think, like I said, hopefully uh, come back in a couple days with uh, the rest of the cards and then a top 10 show. But I also said that last week and that didn't work. So, Brian, trying on you. I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I, I'm out here making banger limited sets and it's it's taken a lot of time and effort but word uh I'm, I'm trying really hard and i i I think i'll get there this week i think we'll get that second show in dude i'm just over here feeding cats like that that's equally as important by the way i don't want those cats to go hungry so i i have two sets of friends that are out of town and they so went you out have town. extra cats they they went out of town together and it's like that is honestly kind of like my schedule is just like you know, yeah, you have like a pet or whatever, even like a group of pets that all get fed at the same time. It's like not not really that much more of a time commitment to like feed two cats instead of one or whatever. Mm -hmm. But when it's like three different sets of cats in different places, it's like that is a big time commitment. I didn't really realize. It sounds like it. And also I'll point out maybe this is like a professional path forward for you. Maybe you're just supposed to be out there feeding cats all the time. Maybe I, I will say that I looked into having like a cat sitter at some point where I was like, you know, if at some point during the the pandemic, like, did I want to travel, go like mm -hmm. drive to someone's house and stay with them for a week or whatever. And they were just like all booked, basically. So and it's maybe, a hot in demand career. Yeah. Maybe that was like a Richmond thing or, or what. I don't know. But uh, it is it is possible. I just assume that you don't get paid very much. Because I, I certainly wasn't looking to pay someone a whole lot for it. Yeah, I understand you're not getting paid a lot, but also you're just like hanging out with cats all day. Like you're kind of getting paid with the joy of that. True. You're not wrong, but I, it, I could it, live pretty happily if my life was just like, oh, I have to watch this dog today. Yeah, okay. and then like all your all your bills are paid magically or whatever. Well, I mean, like, look, I know I'm not going to be rich doing this, but like if I could get my bills paid just watching a different dog every day, I, I probably snap sign up for that career. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, I want to just, I, I have like 
capitalism brain, you know, we're just like mm. thinking in t- terms of something being a career where it's like, yeah, oh, it's, scalability. Where, yeah. It's like, no, let's talk KPIs on this cat sitting business. Right. You know, like, am I going to be able to like max out my 401k contribution or whatever? Like, right. LOL. Uh, so yeah, you, you are, you are probably right where it's not that bad, but instead, uh, you know, I do this. And then the times when I've been out of town, they've been like watching my cats and stuff too. So. Okay, fair trade-off. It takes, dude. It takes a village. You know what I mean? True. To raise a cat. Yeah. So that—that's all I'm doing. Uh, and whenever you find time, I'm sure I could weave you in in between feeding different sets of cats. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So let me know. We'll talk some more magic cards, and in the meantime, get back to work. Will do. Game. Good luck.